All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, presented by The Nation Network. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Oilers Nation Radio, episode 103. I am Bagnog, your every week host. I've got Tyler Remchuk sporting a Raptors jersey today. The Raps, we the North. Man in the Manning the board. We've got the nation dancing in as always, and we've got nation network news director Zach Lang sitting in for Rick, who's on a flight right now. Hey, gentlemen, I want to start with our friends from Sherwood Ford. As always, you can follow them at Sherwood Ford on Twitter and at Sherwood Ford underscore the giant on Instagram. Go check out the latest vehicles, including photos of the brand new Ford Bronco that's set to come out. And that baby is sharp, very sharp. Sherwood Ford, if you're listening to this, I know we've talked a lot about seven 1987 Ford Escort GTs, but if you wanted to, I know you said you can't find them. If you wanted to, seven Ford Broncos. I'm just putting that out there. Probably the same cost, I would imagine. I want to start off today's podcast with my friend Tyler Uremchuk and the Sherwood Ford Giant Question of the Week. Yes, sure for giant question of the week. If you haven't noticed the trend going through these, it's kind of been taking the biggest storylines throughout the Oilers, or what we expect to be the biggest storylines heading into the Oilers offseason and uh, just dedicating some time to them. We talked about Larson a little bit last week, and this week I'm going to focus on a different veteran defenseman. The argument with Larson wasn't really, could they move him? It's more of, is it a good idea to trade him? The conversation with Chris Russell is, do you think they can move Chris Russell. So the short for giant question of the week, can will the Oilers trade Chris Russell this offseason? And uh, I'll, I'll go first here. I think they will. And the reason I think they will is simply because of a money thing. There's reportedly a ton of teams looking to work on a bit of an internal cap, which means they don't really care about the $81.5 million cap ceiling. Their owners have told them they can't spend more than whatever it is, 70, 71, 72, 73 million whatever number they've kind of had to decide on. That's where a guy like Russell suddenly goes from not being valuable to being pretty valuable because as soon as the Oilers pay that one and a half, or sorry, that $1 million signing bonus, Chris Russell only has to make $1.5 million in hard cash. So if you're a team out there who's, or if you're a GM whose owner has come to you and said, you need to cut $8 million off the cap for next season or $8 million off your spending, you can go get a guy like Russell who has a cap at a $4 million, but you don't care about that anymore. And you can get a useful NHL defenseman who's probably going to play 65 to 80 games for you next season. And you're only going to have to pay him a million and a half dollars. So I'm going to go ahead. And this is not something I thought I'd be saying, you know, four months ago, but I think Chris Russell will be traded. And I think Ken Holland will have more than one suitor. 
That's spicy. I like it. Mr. Yeah. Zachary, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think I think you, you have to. I mean, you saw the emergence of Caleb Jones last year. I thought he looked fine as a third-pairing defenseman. And he was one of the Oilers' best defensemen in the short few playoff games that we played, too. Um, I think Jones is more than ready to step into the lineup next year as a third-pairing defenseman uh, in a regular role. And, and may I add, uh, he might have an Ethan Bear-type breakout season. I think he could be that good for the Oilers next year. Um, you know, the, the Oilers' defense needs to have that bit of a youth movement, and clearing up $4 million on the cap space is going to be absolutely uh, uh, crucial right now for, for the Oilers heading into the soft season. Mr. Dan? Yeah, I think Tyler just kind of alluded to it. Frank Cervelli came out yesterday and said that there's 17 teams that have reduced their pay uh, payroll during these COVID times. And I think that, that that's where the change for me comes from. Like I, I, I'm a firm believer that um, you don't deal a defenseman unless you've got another defenseman coming in at this point, just because I don't know what's going to happen to Ethan bear in his sophomore season. And I don't know what's going to happen with Evan Bouchard when he, you know, when he comes back from Europe now. So it, I, I believe that we need to make sure that we have the defenseman in place to, to replace him. But um, you guys talked about it already. The money just makes sense for a team that's, operating at a self-imposed cap that's below the the ceiling of the cap it just makes sense to bring in a guy like chris russell where you only actually have to pay him one million dollars out of your pocket but you get credit for paying him four and a half million dollars so yeah I, I think chris russell's an easier move now than he was even you know just at the start of the pandemic just to round this out i um I want to argue with somebody, but I can't. I think that Chris Russell will be moved. Oilers desperately need some cap space. I think that he will get moved because, like Dan just said, if there are 17 teams, which is more than half the league, looking to roll back their their actual spend, then he becomes an attractive option to maintain cap, uh, whether that's hitting the floor or whatever it is. If you only have to pay him a fraction of what he's actually owed in terms of cap, then I think that you've got a good... Um, You've got a good bet there. However, I'm going to add a point five to the Sherwood Ford Giant question of the week. Do the Oilers move him? We all think that they're going to. But do they have to take back some shit in return? Would Ken Holland want to do that? Or do you think that there's a possibility that the Oilers could actually dump Chris Russell for you know a clean cap sweep in terms of just like whether that's they get back shitty picks or, you know, prospects that are not close to making the NHL or what do you think? Are the Oilers going to have to take back some garbage here? I don't think they will at all. I think it's going to, like, it's not going to be a great return. You're not getting a second round pick for them. But I think if there's, you know, three, four teams that call you and say, Hey, we're interested in taking this money off your hands. You can go to them and just say, Hey, there's two other teams calling. So that fifth round pick has got to be a fourth. If you want us to do it, or that fourth round pick has got to be a third. If you want this guy, because for the reasons Dan laid out and I touched on as well, like, I actually think he has some value now, which is not something I thought I'd be saying pre-pandemic. Because here's yeah. the thing. The return, yeah. too, is the cap space is going to be the return here probably as well. That's yeah. that's the yeah. the big thing they want back. So, Dan, what do you, what do you think? Do you think they're going to have to take uh, back some garbage? I'm not even upset if they were able to make a trade that it's just like future considerations yeah. uh, at this point. You know, I, I don't think we all – I don't think any of us would say that pre-February – um, you know, we'd expect that we'd be giving up something to be able to take uh, take him on from us uh, with no value coming back. But yeah, I just think that I think that there's going to be a lot more deals like this around the league. I can't point to anybody just because I'm not familiar with everybody else's cap situation. But but I, I know that you know this is this is the new normal that we're operating within. When Buffalo is asking its team staff to take pay cuts twice in less than six months, you know there's there's some money issues going on in this NHL league right now. Zach, just to round it out, what do you think? The, like, do you care about a return on a Chris Russell trade at this point, or are the others going to have to take back some shit? No, I don't. I mean, you could offer up a 20-30 round draft pick, <laughs> and I'd be fine at this point, honestly. You know, but uh, as Dan mentioned, too, there's going to be a lot of other teams in the league that are um, in similar situations. Uh, looking at our friends over at Puckpedia, like the Anaheim Ducks, for example, they have like half a million dollars in cap space right now. The Arizona Coyotes have $1.3 million in cap space. The Lightning have $5.3 million in cap space. There's going to be a number of teams out there that um, are going to be in this sort of a cap crunch. And then you look down the list and, you know, there's a couple organizations like uh, um, Ottawa, Buffalo, Detroit, New Jersey, 
Colorado, Florida, who have over $20 million in cap space heading into this offseason. So uh, I don't think you're going to have to uh, take anything back to, to get rid of Russell. And what the, I would, sorry, go ahead, Tyler. The other thing too, like, I think there's even a chance where if you're working a deal, whether it's for a third line center or even a goalie, like the one hypothetical I saw was, you know, would you give up 14 overall for Darcy Kemper, but the Coyotes agree to take Chris Russell as well. And you almost use him, you know, as a bit, it's almost like a sweetener for both sides where the Oilers go, yep, this deal works now because we're getting rid of the $4 million in cap space as well. And we're getting a, a player to improve our roster. And the other team goes, you know what? It's easy to sit there and turn to our fan base and say, hey, we got a good veteran D-man. And for the fact that we have an internal cap going into the season and we're tight on money, it's easy to stomach a $1.5 million price tag on them. I would also suggest, though, because like Dan said, there, or like Zach said, there are a bunch of teams that have a bunch of cap space heading into the season. I would almost argue that Ken Holland should probably try and get a deal done sooner than later before some of these yeah. other teams already take advantage of those with a lot of cap space. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I think the sooner they can get it done for future considerations, a half-eaten salad or whatever else is coming back, then I think you got to do that. But yeah, to that and, you know, point, don't you think that, do we think that the teams that are in this are looking at a, you know, a murky future? Do you think that they're going to probably be holding off until there's a clearer picture of what's going to happen, you know, for the 2020, 2021 quote unquote season? Like I, I have to believe that some of these teams are going to be hesitant to, to make any big moves until they know what they're, what they're up against, you know, for, especially for an owner that's maybe tight to the uh, cap floor as it is. Yeah. Well, for some teams, I think that might be the case. But in the same breath, you look at what Toronto did already in trading Kaffin into the Pittsburgh Penguins, right? You know, and then how many reports have surfaced since then saying, uh, you know, that there was a number of teams that were still in the playoff picture that were pissed off at Toronto for doing that trade solely for the fact that they didn't get a chance to go in and bid on Kaffin. So uh, I think there might be some organizations that are might sit on their hands a little bit more. But I, I mean, you look at how proactive Toronto has been. Um, I think that's a, a sign that... Uh, you know, we could be seeing some more interesting moves coming in the near future. Yeah, and uh, if you're talking about, like, next season and the uncertainty that lies ahead, I mean, that almost makes Chris Russell even more valuable because if he's owed $1.5 million over the course of an 82-game season, well, if the NHL comes out and says, you know what, 82 games just isn't going to work next year, we got to cut it down by a third and we got to play 60 or whatever that would be, 58. Um, then a team could be sitting there going, well, holy shit, we get to prorate, we get to prorate that. Now we're only paying this dude a million dollars and we're getting a $4 million cap hit still. So I think the uncertainty of next season almost helps the Oilers even more in this case. It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, we keep saying this over and over and over again, but, uh, even we're going to touch on some more stuff from Tyler's rumor roundup that went up at OilersNation.com this morning. But as Frank Saravalli said in there, he's expecting a lot more movements this offseason than maybe normal. And it's going to be incredibly interesting to see how much Ken Holland gets involved in all of that. Because I think that he's probably going to be busier than some people think. He's not just going to stand by and sign Adam Cracknell, put his feet up on the desk and say, that's it for the offseason. Do you know what I mean? So I, to, to play devil's advocate, though, isn't that what the message is going into every single offseason, though? It seems like every year it's just like, ahead of the offseason it's like oh this is the year we're going to see crazy wild trades and i find that we're often more disappointed than not in in terms of like actually seeing crazier wild things happening in the nhl you're a thousand percent right but at the same point this is the only time that we've ever had a global pandemic interfere oh, in the middle of the old offseason because right now like today is um we're, we're almost midway through september already and we would probably be looking at what Preseason games right now? Yeah, we will yeah. be. So everything's all, like, the timeline has shifted everywhere. Um, so I actually, I kind of think Frank's right on this one. At least I'm hoping so. Even from purely entertainment standpoint, because at the end of the day, that's what hockey is. It's entertainment. I would love to see a weird offseason full of a bunch of shit. Like, almost like an NBA-style offseason where you've got people moving all over the map that you just wouldn't generally expect. Yeah. And the thing, too, I'm happy we have Ken Holland at the helm here because he strikes me as such a patient patient GM who isn't going to do anything like crazy reactionary. And when you look at the timeline of this offseason as well, like the cup's going to get handed out probably, what are we thinking here, September 25th if it goes seven games? No, deeper than that if it goes seven. September 30th probably if it goes seven games. And then the draft is going to be October 7th and 8th. And then free agency is going to open the 9th. Like, isn't that the expected timeline here? Or is it 6th, 7th, and then 9th? 
I think six, six seven, seven draft. Nine. My yeah. point being, everything's going to be happening really quick, and I think there might be some GMs out there who have a lot more on the line in terms of their jobs than Ken Holland, who might sit there and start to panic a little and be like, fuck, I got to do something quick. And if Ken Holland, I'm just imagining a scenario where he's slow, methodical, and just like waiting to pounce on one of these weaker teams that are in a position of weakness, which, I mean, that's been the Oilers for the past couple of years. But now if Holland can kind of turn that around, and and maybe we're sitting here at the end of the year where a couple guys join the Oilers, and you go, man, I do not know how Ken Holland made that deal. Well, I mean, just even last year, the Lucic for Neil trade, I don't know how Ken Holland made that deal. And Flames fans can crow about the third-round pick that they got despite the fact that they didn't earn it all they want. But still, the fact remains that I still can't believe he did it. Tyler, I gotta, you brought something up, and I want to bring it up quickly. Is there a GM that you're thinking of that could be on the hot seat right now? Um, I, I think there's a few around the league. Uh, if we just go a little three hours south here, I think Bradtree Living's probably not overly safe in, in his spot right now to kind of you know, fairly disappointing playoff exits where his star players have not shown up once again. He's in a spot where, I mean, Valimaki, Anderson, Hannafin, and Giordano, those are four good defensemen, but those are the only four he has under contract for next season off the NHL roster. They're, you know, in a spot where they could lose Brody, Gustafson, Hamannick as well. So I, I think Tree Living is in a fairly interesting spot here. Um, I think a GM like Jim Rutherford is facing some pressure from ownership to really change things in a hurry there and, and cut some money. Um, and and those are kind of the two. David Poyle is the other one out in Nashville I'd keep an eye on. Not that he has a job security issue at all, because I think he will have that job until he decides he doesn't want it anymore. But he seemed... He's been real, their GM since 1997, yeah. he, which is crazy. He seemed real pissed off in his postseason avail, and he made it sound like, there are not too many players on that roster that are safe. So I'd be keeping an eye on Nashville as well to see what they could do. And they're not exactly uh, they're not exactly flush with cap space either. What about the center of the universe? You think old uh, Kyle Dubas is on uh, feeling the heat? Yeah, he probably is as well. I mean, they need a D-man, right? That's kind of the big thing with, with the Leafs right now. And he's already dealt Kapanen, gotten the first round pick back. And after that, I mean... Is he going to want to deplete the forward core by trading Janssen and Kerfoot? I, it, I, the Leafs are fascinating because I, I honestly have no idea what Dubas is going to do. What I do know that we should all do is consider our friends in Jasper. Oh. Tourism Jasper, they want you to consider Jasper in the fall. There's plenty to do, whether you'd like a stroll a short loop, hike for days in rugged terrain, or bike any of the hundreds of kilometers of mountain bike trails, there's a trail in the park for you. With so many road options, hiking, walking, or biking are excellent ways to explore the wonders of Jasper National Park. Go ahead and check them out on Twitter, at Tourism Jasper, or if you want more details, head to the website at jasper.travel. For me, the most interesting part of the offseason remains the goaltending search. Tyler wrote a lot about it in the rumor roundup this morning. So we're going to check in on the goaltending search. Pierre Lebrun from TSN has uh, confirmed that Ken Holland has already spoken to Pittsburgh about Matt Murray. However, the cost looks to be a little bit too much at a first round pick right now. Ryan Rashog chimed in as well saying Darcy Kemper could be a possible fit. So this is going to go into a couple of layers of questioning for you boys. First, what would you give up for a goaltender that you could potentially sign? Like an RFA, be it like a Matt Murray or Kemper's actually under contract for a couple of years. What's the max you're giving up? Do you have like, a, do you have something like looking at the Oilers, you know, asset pool that they've got? They don't have a lot of picks in the early rounds. Um, their, you know, their prospect pool probably isn't the deepest since the best ones are already playing on the team. However, there are still some people that could move. Dan, what do you think? I saw you chiming. Yeah, I, I think that it's the, the value for this team right now dictates that you have to be looking at that first round draft pick um, in the future, which is which are, are solid gold nowadays in the NHL, uh, the new NHL. It, it's, you know, it, you, you, you can't take anything off the table when it comes to a goalie that could come in and, and tandem with Miko Koskinen, potentially, you know, when you're talking about a Kemper or even a Matt Murray, um, you know, could be the, the 1A to Miko Koskinen. Uh, I, I, I can't think you 
you discount any kind of offer that that is out there. Um, I like to see that you know the report of the Oilers are looking at talking to the Penguins, but feel like the price of a first round pick is too high right now, and and just kind of want to keep kicking tires. I like to see that they're not just you know jumping at the first offer kind of thing. But I, I think we all have to kind of accept that that goaltending is an absolute necessity for this team. And we saw it this this uh, this shortened playoff run, and so you know all bets are off when it comes to you know what you're what you should be able to give up or be willing to give up. Zach, what do you think? What 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 are you willing to spend on a goalie? I, I don't know. I, honestly, I'm not sure if I'm a fan of trading any major assets that the Oilers have for a goaltender this off season. I, I think Miko Koskinen did a fine job, and I think the UFA market for goaltenders is deep enough that. You could bring in a guy on a one- or two-year contract who can kind of be a good complimentary goalie. I'm not sure if I'm a fan of moving the 14th overall draft pick. Like, the 2020 draft is considered to be one of the deepest that the NHL's had in a long time. Um, and the Oilers are going to be able to get a player there that's going to be an impact player for them in the future. Um, you know, top six winger, potentially. Like, a guy like Seth Jarvis, maybe. Um so I'm not sure if I'm, I'm interested in even spending assets in the first place on goaltending. And, and to be truthful, the price point of a first-round pick for Matt Murray or Darcy Kemper isn't all that attractive to me. Tyler, what do you think? I'm not doing a first-rounder for Matt Murray. like that, And I don't think Pittsburgh is going to get that. He's coming off a bad year. There's reports that arbitration is going to put his contract at like $5 bucks. He's not worth that. But Darcy Kemper... That would make me really think, and I get what you're saying, Zach, that, you know, you could potentially be getting a top six winger down the road if a guy like Seth Jarvis falls to you or something like that. But, I mean, look at Kemper's numbers last year before he got hurt. Like, that guy was, he had a 222 goals against average and a 928 save percentage. Even his career numbers, I know he didn't get off to a great start in his career, but 246 goals against average, 918 save percentage. This guy's legit. And he's 30 years old, but at 30, that's still, what, three, four more good years in him probably as a goaltender. The health would concern me a little, but I don't know. I just look at this guy, and I I think how deadly the Oilers would be if he can come here and be that, you know, borderline Vesna finalist quality goaltender. Like, he's just, he's that good. So, I, I it would be real hard for me to part with the 14th overall pick. What I'll say is I think the team would have to do more than just give me a goalie if I'm going to move a draft pick that valuable in such a deep draft. So I, I mentioned, you know, maybe you get them to take Chris Russell as well in that deal. Or, I mean, maybe there's a deal to be had. Arizona has some interesting young forwards. And if they're looking to cut cost, there's some guys, you know, they got some guys who are pending RFAs. They got some some interesting names up front who I think the Oilers could target as well. And maybe it's a bigger deal than just 14th overall for Kemper. Maybe it's 14th. Uh, you know, another asset, Chris Russell, and you're getting a, a good forward and Darcy Kemper back as well. Um, 14 straight up for a goalie. There's a select list of guys I do it for, and I think it's probably unlikely that Ken Holland does a move like that. But if a team's willing to talk about a bigger offer, I, I think you have to consider moving that pick because the Oilers should be in win-now mode. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue. It is hard to argue. I mean, even for uh, Kemper, I'm thinking of, oh, I wish I could remember off the top of my head. It was like game three or something in their series against Colorado. Colorado shot probably 2,000 shots at Kemper, and he's the only reason that they won that game. And you compare I, that to the Oilers getting 890 save percentages throughout their series with Chicago. Like it's, And you can watch the playoffs right now. Look at who Dobin last night. If you get a goalie who's hot, you don't have to score very much to win games. And the Oilers have never had problems scoring with McDavid and Dreisaitl. So if they can get that goalie who can, you know, consistently limit the opposition to two or less goals, that's unbelievable. What about a guy like uh, Clayton Keller from the from the Coyotes? Like, he, he's, he's got 7.1 on the cap. You know, I don't know if they're the happiest with him. You know, he only scored 44 points in 70 games last year. He's their most expensive player. He's 22 years old. Would they consider giving up a guy like him? I, you know, it might be one of those trades where it would have to be, you know, first round plus another valuable asset from Edmonton moving out. Right? I don't know how the Oilers but, can afford that though, right? Well, and that's what I mean, right? Like that's where we got to start talking about, you know, moving a James Neal contract and another move or something like that. Like, But it's, it's just uh, an interesting name I thought I'd throw out there nonetheless. I would love... 
for the Oilers to be one of those teams. Just And, I, you know, it's got to happen eventually, right, where it's just – a key player is the one coming here. I'm not. I'm not specifically saying Clayton Keller, but like, do you know what I mean? Where the Oilers are the one that gets winger A, and they shed a bunch of stuff, and people go, "Holy fuck!" The Oilers just picked up whoever. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's got to yeah, happen be eventually, nice. right? It'd be nice. Along those lines, and again, this is just pure speculation. Patrick Line supposedly on the board. <laughs> Or our boy Jim Matheson said, what about Nugent Hopkins plus to get Patrick Line? Is that something that you guys would look to do? Nope. No. I don't understand. Yeah. No. Look, <laughs> Ryan know. Nugent Hopkins yeah. is in, if you were to put Line and Nugent Hopkins in the same spot, they're both basically point of game guys, right? Like they're point of game top six wingers. I know Line is young, but Line also was a huge contract coming up. He's already making seven mil. So if you're the Oilers and you're bringing in Line A to upgrade your top six wing depth, well, you're also losing a key piece of your top six wing depth in Nugent Hopkins, and you also have to throw in your best defenseman. That didn't make any sense to me. I love Jim, but that did not make any sense to me. Well, and also the the thing about Nuge, and I, the reason I asked you guys first is everybody knows I'm president and CEO of the Nuge fan club, so the idea, I always say no. But the thing with him is, if he's playing with Dreisaitl on the wing, he's going to be a point-per-game guy. He was beyond that from January forward until the season stopped. But he can also play center if you need it, which is the kind of Swiss Army knife type player that I would love to see the Oilers have more of rather than less of. And yes, yeah. I love Patrick Laine. The dude, could you imagine him in the OV spot on the power play taking dishes from Connor? He would fill the net like crazy. But that contract, that next one, because he only signed a quote-unquote bridge deal with the with the Jets, is going to be monstrous. And I just looking forward, I don't know how they do it or if they could do it. Otherwise, you're going to have another major cap problem on your hands whenever that contract comes due. I think if you're trading either one of... Um, I, I think if you're making that trade, I don't think it's Nugent Hopkins at all. It's it's Oscar Kleffbaum or Darnell Nurse, right? I, I wrote about it last week on Oilers Nation about you know how that would be the starting price for either one of those guys and then you work from there. Um, you know, Kleppbaum's a, a great defenseman and I'm a huge fan of his too, but you know, I would even be trying to target Ehlers more than I'd be trying to target lining if either of them were made available, just because Ehlers is a little bit more of a well-rounded player. And honestly, I could even make the argument that Nugent Hopkins is as good or better than Patrick Line is as an NHLer right now. Yeah. And like the versatility you'd lose as well. Like if Drysaddle or McDavid, knock on wood, ever go down, the Oilers have another top six center that they just slide right on over. And if you have Line, you completely lose that flexibility in your lineup. I agree. Patrick Line would fill the net here. But there's more to this than just filling the net. Like Nugent Hopkins, the, the ability to kill penalties. He still is good on the power play. The ability to trade play center. And then all the assets you'd have to give up on top of that and also the cap space you're sacrificing – it, it just doesn't make sense. I agree. I'd, I'd look more into doing something like nurse for Ehlers. I, I don't think line is at all a realistic target for the Oilers. Let's talk about uh, a nurse for Ehlers type of idea. I know we've talked about nurse a lot over the past little bit. And again, just if you're just new to the podcast and you're yelling at us, no, nobody is saying trade Darnell nurse for nothing. The return has to be sizable. Now, Ehlers would be the kind of guy that you look at and you say, oh shit, this kind of makes sense. But our friend Bob Stoffer has been pumping Nurse's tires a lot over the last little bit. Uh, his latest tweet on Nurse, over the past three seasons per Nat stat trick, defenseman Darnell Nurse is tied for seventh with uh, Hedman in NHL defense at 5-on-5 five five scoring with 77 points. He is ahead of the likes of Carlson, Yossi, Burns, Eric Carlson, Riley, and Barry. What do you make of that? I don't think anyone ever argues Darnell Nurse's ability to, you know, produce offense at five on five or anything like that. Like, he's a good top four defenseman in the NHL. I just, the thing I always go back to is, you know, Oscar Clefbaum has three more seasons at $4.1 million. Darnell Nurse has two more at 5.6. And at that point, he's going to be a UFA at 27 years old. And I think it's going to cost a ton of money to sign him. And two years from now, you could have a left side that has Clefbaum, Jones, 
Broberg, and Darnell Nurse. So you look at that and you go, if your cap's strapped coming up here in the next couple of years when the cap is staying flat and Darnell Nurse is going to command a ton of money, do you cash in on his value because you know that Jones and Broberg are going to be just fine NHLers to take over on the left side and Clefbaum, you know what you got in him and he's cheap. I think Anybody, he's good. No one ever says he's not good. I like Darnell Nurse. I think if Darnell Nurse is in your top four, you have a really good defensive core, but there's more than just having the best players. you got to consider the salary cap. It's like when... Um, I'm trying to think of a trade here. When uh, the Johansson for Jones trade happened. That was kind of yeah. one of those ones that if, if you're going to trade a Darnell Nurse, that's kind of what you want to do. But not, now in hindsight, would, they re- would Nashville want to send Jones out like that? No, probably not. They'd probably deal one of the other D-men. And again, if you're listening and you're mad at Tyler, he's not saying trade Darnell Nurse because he's bad. He's well, saying that think- he's he's good, but the return better be substantial. And I also don't well, think also this don't is think the offseason that- to do it. Sorry, Dan. Yeah, that's okay. I was just going to say, I don't think Nurse is, is Seth Jones either. Like for me, I, I've been saying, like, don't deal defensemen unless you you know that you've got something that can replace that. But with with Ehlers, it has to move the needle for you to be like, you know, uh, that that does that does move it enough to say like that's a guy that you need on the wing that could you know could fill a need for this team. If Winnipeg is crazy enough to just take Darnell Nurse off our hands and maybe a little bit more um, for Ehlers, I, I I can't imagine that you you say no to that at this point. Like for all the reasons that we listed, you know, it's he's a left defenseman and and we have a plethora of those right now. So yeah, I, I he, that's the that's like one of the few scenarios where I think it makes sense to to look at dealing somebody like a Darnell Nurse. And you know what? I honestly wonder if Darnell Nurse is going to be an Edmonton Oilers for life. And the reason I say that too is because of the relationship that he has with Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. Those three guys are very, very close together. They are yeah. very close. They're very close. They're very good friends. So you know that could be something that might upset a guy like a McDavid or a Draisaitl and. Do you want to put that in the locker room? Do you want to make that sort of a move? That's why I almost wonder if, if trading cleft bomb is more of what we're going to see happen just because of that uh, that friendship that's there. Yeah, we've talked about that a little bit, like the inner circle of, of this team. And, you yeah. know, if you trade Darnell Nurse and it doesn't work, that could be something that really pisses off Connor McDavid. But I also think McDavid wants to win Stanley Cups more than anything. And I think if you went to him and said, hey, look, we're going to be getting a hell of a top six winger here. We have a lot of good defensemen coming up through the system. Like, this is a move that makes us better. I don't think Dar- I don't think Connor McDavid would, like, throw a fit or be, you know, coming into Camp Pouty or anything like that if you traded no. Darnell Nurse. I just think you better be right on it or else when the time comes, that's just another straw on the camel's back kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah it, it needs to be a slam dunk. You can't have another Eberle for Strom for Spooner is I think we can all agree on. That was probably one of the worst trades ever. Unlike when you trade a couple of dollars for some food from our friends at skipthedishes.ca because they want to make sure that you are fed this weekend. It is a Friday afternoon. Maybe you're feeling a little bit lazy. Maybe you feel like you worked enough for the week and it's time to treat yourself. So you go to skipthedishes.ca and you find a local restaurant that will support your fix. Or, or, as a side note, maybe you want to get in on my uh, tweet that went, it's kind of going bananas from last night, and do a little bit of market research. And you get some nuggets brought to your house from skipthedish.ca because you want to find out how many nuggets you can eat in one sitting. I don't know what your total is, but our friends at skipthedishes.ca would be happy to help. Gentlemen, just around the horn real quick, how many nuggets do you think you could crush in a single setting? We're talking well, like as- McDonald's chicken McNuggets? Yeah, we're going we're going nugs. Chicken McNugs, let's say it doesn't matter whether you're right now, Friday, you're hungry, or maybe you're back from the bar, and you've had a couple of wobblies. Wherever your state of mind, I want to look for a grand total. What are you thinking? What's the max? I'm going to say I think I think I could do 40. I think I could do 40. Body 40. I think I could do 40 and I could push to 50 if I'm in the right mindset. Well, I guess my my question is, you know, as a semi-professional uh, you know, professional eater here. We do have a the, champ in the podcast. The pizza, the pizza eating champion from the first and maybe, you know, the last pizza <laughs> the pizza eating competition by Jason Greger. But uh, I think the question is, is how long do you have to eat it? This is, okay. 
Okay, that's a good question. We got a variable here. I'm going to say that you got to put in. How long did you guys hour? have for the pizza? Let's say two oh, hours. We had, we had two hours. We had three minutes for the pizza. Oh, so that <laughs> you know, we are not doing that. I think you've got two hours. You got oh. two hours. And oh. you can put them back. Fuck that. Yeah, I. I'm going. I'd say for two hours, like you're not going to feel good afterwards. Um, but I'd say like sixty. One every yeah, two 60. minutes. Yeah, I think that's doable because you're not because you have to remember like with the like when I ate the pizza, I ate over half of the pizza in the first minute, yeah. and then <laughs> and then slowed down considerably. <laughs> so yeah, so like so like bag milk's right. You 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 start you start with that like that forty oh. number probably gets you through that first half hour. And then you are puttering, but you can probably get up to that 60 number. Yeah, like if we're we're talking a marathon, two hours, I I think I could absolutely put back 50 or 60 nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Tyler, what are you thinking? Uh, I think Tyler, you look disgusted. Yeah, Tyler doesn't like this conversation. I think I could do 30, maybe 35. Oh, come on. You could do more than that. I don't know, guys. I'm not a big eater. Like, I don't eat a lot. Um. Yeah, I have a hard time thinking I could put back any more than thirty-five. Like you're never gonna look at a chicken nugget again, yep. the right way. But but you're absolutely doing it. Like I still eat pizza on the daily. You know what I mean? Like it's that's no problem for me. So sixty nuggets, I, I think that it's doable. I think if you're listening good. to this podcast right now, I want you to tweet at us or hit us up on Instagram. I want to know how many nugs you can crush. You think you can crush in two hours? I think I could. Do I'm gonna 40. say forty. I'll say forty. I'm going to say 40. Uh, so far, just scanning my tweets, the replies really, really quickly. We've got some, uh, a dude who said one time he ate 82 nuggets and he has oh. never had one since. Oh, how fast? How fast? Uh, I don't have a timeline on this one, okay. so I'd have to follow up. Maybe he'll oh, get me man. back by the end of the podcast, but 82 nuggets is my high score right now. That is a lot of meat. That is a that lot is- of tube meat. And let's let the record show really quickly that Wendy's chicken nuggets are the best chicken nuggets out there. Bold, bold, bold. All right. That has nothing to do with anything. Because right now, what we need to talk about is Connor McDavid's new right winger, Adam Kraken. Signed a one-year, two-way deal yesterday, which was Thursday. The internet was ablaze with fury. And I don't understand why. To me, it was very obvious that Adam Cracknell is meant for the Condors. And maybe he gets himself, what, five games with the Oilers if they get a run of injuries? Maybe. Probably not. What do you guys think of, what do you guys think about signing players like this for the Condors? That's my first question. To me, it makes sense. Question number two, the reaction from Oilers Twitter when this went down yesterday. Uh, Zach, I saw you chiming in yesterday. Well, I'm going to start with you. Oh, man. I, I don't know. People were big mad yesterday about it. It just doesn't make sense. Like, it's a depth American Hockey League signing for a guy who's produced at that level throughout his entire career. Like, you know, we have an AHL squad that we need to fill as well. So, Krakow can go down there to Bakersfield, be a good vet to the team. 35 years old. He's played in the AHL for a decade. Like, if he comes up and plays 10 games next year, because of injuries, because God knows it's going to happen. People are going to get hurt. He's at the very least a vet guy who can go out there and play a couple minutes a night for 10 games if need be. Like I just, it's so Oilers Twitter to just overreact to something like signing Adam Cracknell to get a little bit ahead of the game in filling out an AHL squad for next season. It's just ridiculous as far as I'm concerned. Dan, you got your Cracknell jersey on order yet or what? Three absolutes in life. Yeah, taxes and Oilers Twitter freaking out about an AHL signing every <laughs> offseason. Can we relax? Can we relax? Like, like there's never like no team has ever signed a veteran to 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 a two way contract that the Condors like it's below the it's below the threshold where it counts against the cap. Correct? Like, who yeah. cares? It, you know what I mean? Like, it's just a guy that it's a guy that's coming in and it's a guy that's played in the NHL and he's going to be able to talk to the the Tyler Bensons of the world about what it is to be an NHL player and what it is to fucking grind it out night after night in the NHL. Like who cares? We just, we, I know like, you know, don't get me wrong. I love Oilers Twitter. It's, it's always active. We're on top of every little thing, but like, good God, man, 
It's like, calm down. It's, it's the off season. We're in off season mode and we've signed an AHL team and we need to burn this fucking organization to the ground because we have the Condors have a veteran on it now. Like I just, it, was, it doesn't make sense. It was the best because for some, like the reaction, it may, it was making me laugh because it was almost like, Adam Cracknell signed, and then Ken Holland hung up the mission accomplished banner behind him, and that's all she wrote. <laughs> well, that's you know exactly I mean? it. Are the, are the Oilers done? Yes. Adam Cracknell's in the organization. We have solved everything. Put up a sign. We're done. It's just a joke. Tyler, are you getting your Cracknell jersey or what? Yeah, like it was just dumb. This was going to be my cold performer, but like, it, people are like, oh, it's wasting a contract. Oh, fucking, oh, no. Now what? Got like, plenty of space. Yeah, don't worry. It it's an AHL depth guy. It's whatever. I just I don't even care. Here's a question I have for you guys. Do you think Cracknell ever plays another regular season game with the Oilers? I don't think he ever will. So I, that's why I think it's kind of irrelevant. I think he gets into one. I think I he'll dress for a one. couple games. I think he'll probably see a couple games just due to injuries. Yeah, injuries happen. I mean, I just I look know. at that team right now and they have so many bottom six forwards like Haas, no, Nygaard, Benson would probably get a call up over him. I would imagine Marody gets a call up over him. I wouldn't be surprised if someone like Ryan McLeod gets a call up over him. Like there's so many bottom six. Uh, Patrick Russell is still here. You know, I don't know if Jujar Kerr is going to be back, but if he is, there's another one. If Chase on still here, there's another one. James Neal, there's another one. Like so many bottom six options. I, Fucking DJ Khaled over here. Another one. Another one. Yeah. So anyways. Well, and there's also the there's also the point too that if you look at it, the Condors didn't have a good year. Nope. So what they got in Adam Cracknell is a guy who, like Zach said, can produce at the AHL level. He's an older guy, he's a veteran. He can guide guys along. There's gonna be some new pros hitting Bakersfield this year. That's the kind of guy you need. You can't just be on all Brad Malone, right, Dan? Is Brad Mal- does Brad Malone have a contract? I don't think he does right now. I'm panicking. Yeah, he signed, uh, I looked I'm it up. He signed, an, he signed an extension in uh, <laughs> February, March, somewhere. Back I'm there. melting down. I was about to go on Twitter and be like, why haven't uh, we signed Brad Malone? Did Adam Cracknell take Brad Malone's position on this beat? Have you double-checked that with our friends at Puckpedia? I have not. I, I, I actually don't think he's on the roster right now. Which yeah. is like, Unless this is my heart out. last year. Which we need to contact Hart. He's a, he's a UFA right now. Yeah, he is. No. Well, I got. Let me see here. We're going back. We're doing this on the fly. He's yeah. He's a UFA. He signed to a one-year contract extension last offseason. Uh, one year is up. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at an article from April 29th from Zachary Lang. This April. Yeah. Uh, Brad Malone and Luke Esposito to contract extensions. Well, was it? An oh, a- there we go. Was it an AHL only deal? Yeah, it was probably. Oh, that, that's what it would be then. Yeah, that wow. makes sense. So I'm going to go dry Two my tears years. now. There you go, Dan. We're good. Oh, baby. Because it, we are back. back. To, thank you. Thank you. Heaven forbid Brad Malone not be back with the, the Bakersfield Condors. But if you look back to the Condors, though, their 2018-19 season was fantastic. That was the one where they went on that 17-game winning streak, ended up first in the Pacific. It was the first time that franchise specifically made the playoffs. It was a big thing. But then in last year, before the AHL season got shut down to COVID-19, they were six in the Pacific. There is value in having a good AHL team. And Adam Cracknell will help them get better in the AHL. He's not going to help the Oilers. I'm going to say he plays one game. Zach says maybe a couple. Tyler says none. Dan, round us out. Is he playing the, for the Oilers at all this year? Yeah, if it's over five, I'm absolutely shocked. But I think that we're going to see a little bit more... Uh scratches and that kind of thing like you've seen with the MLB and in the NFL where guys are just kind of that little bit run down and so they're going to take some time off because of COVID worries and that kind of thing so yeah I, I think three or four uh, before we move on to our next topic I just want to cover a couple of little housekeeping items uh, Evan Bouchard latest Oilers prospect to be heading over to Europe he's going over to Sweden to start the season by my count that makes eight Oilers or prospects that are going over to Europe to start the year. What do you guys think, real quick, about Ken Holland sending all these guys that need to play over to Europe? Personally, I love it. No doubt. Getting your reps, young man. Yep. 
Because it did, like, I, I haven't looked around, but have you guys noticed, are other NHL teams doing this as actively as the Oilers? Because it seems like either. every couple of days. Yeah, I don't think it's as, as often as the Oilers are here. I think Ken Holland's being really proactive here and finding these guys places to play. They need uh, a place I, to play. I think it's genius, and I think it's great. Like, you're giving these guys pro experience. Um, I know it's it's overseas on a slightly bigger ice surface, but it's going to be great experience for these guys to get over there and, and see a different culture, see them in different atmospheres, uh, play on a different team. It's going to be just great for these guys. And most importantly, they're playing. And, and any experience is good experience for, for these guys at this point in their careers. The only thing I worry a little bit about is potential fatigue. Like you see guys like Haas and Nygaard signing over there, even Bouchard, who could be a factor at the NHL level. If they start playing it with their overseas teams, and let's say they're playing regular season games by October, and then they come back, you know, beginning of December because the NHL season starting in January, and then the NHL season goes from January to August. Well, that's a ton of hockey for them to be playing over a twelve-month span. It's not a big deal, but I, in the back of my mind, I'm like, I wonder, you know, if the Oilers were to hypothetically go on a playoff run next year, are these guys going to be exhausted from having played this much hockey over a twelve-month span, or are they going to be just fine? I don't know. That's just that's the only thing I could imagine there being a concern about, but clearly Ken Holland isn't, so who am I to get pissed? Yeah, I mean, or uh, you could look at the flip side of the coin where once the season starts in December, January, wherever the fuck it is, that these boys are going to be sharp. Yeah. They're going to be ready to go. Well, okay, I think fingers crossed. To, I it's a fair point to make, but I think to that point, you got to believe that Holland and, and hockey ops, as soon as there's like a sign of, you know, this is when training camps are going to be kind of thing. They'll probably pull the shoot on those guys yeah. and get them a little bit of time off to come back and, you know, even just to decompress from being over in Europe and, and be able to be around your family again and, and that kind of stuff. So I think that, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really positive thing to see that these guys are willing to buy in and go and give up some family time to go and, and play in Europe and keep the legs fresh. But yeah, I, I agree, Tyler. It's a fair, it's a fair point to make, uh, but you hope that hockey ops has that plan. In Next Next up on my quick hits list, Dave Tippett, Zach wrote about it, placed seventh in Jack Adams voting this season. Real quick, do you think that was too high, too low, about right for Dave Tippett in his first year as Edmonton Oilers head coach? Tyler? I think, I think he should have gotten more respect. I absolutely think Dave Tippett should have gotten more respect for the Jack Adams. You look at what he and his staff did with the special teams, with the Oilers' overall improvement, points percentage-wise, all of that stuff. I think Dave Tippett came in and did a masterful job behind the Oilers' bench and should he have won the Jack Adams? No, I'm not going to make that argument. But I, I'm surprised he didn't get more respect from the voters. I would like to see him higher than seventh for the work he did. Zach, you wrote about it. What do you think? Yep, absolutely agree. Let's put some respect on Dave Tippett's name. I'd love to see him up in the top five there, and I think he deserves it. Uh, at the end of the day, the Oilers had the ninth best uh, regular season looking at points percentage in franchise history. Uh, top power play, one of the top penalty kills in the league. Uh, I think... Tippett is a tremendous uh, coach for this organization. One of the best power plays ever, I might add. Absolutely. Dan? Well, and that's kind of it's contradictory to what I've been saying about the awards all along, that they should go more along the lines of what the actual award uh, lays out. But to me, it's like, why is Cassidy the, the guy that you're saying is the best coach? Like, he has arguably one of the best teams that, yeah. that is in the league this year. So it, I, it used to be, to me at least, uh, you guys can dispel this if you don't agree, but that the Coach of the Year award was always kind of like the most improved team, a team that was dog bad in you know special teams or whatever, and they turned it around. So yeah, I I don't get why Tippett doesn't get you know more votes in that situation when like you know, and then there's like other confusing things like why is Paul Maurice mentioned in that like where that. The, the, the Jets fans fucking hate Maurice, but here he is getting votes. I, it's just a lot of that stuff didn't make sense to me, but like, especially giving Bruce Cassidy the nod, it's like, I don't know. It, I, I think I could have maybe gone behind that bench and, and the Bruins would have been just fine without me, uh, you know, as a head coach. So I, I just, I don't get the, I don't get where the scale goes there. You know, is, is it really the best coach in the league or is it the guy that, you know, just does and has a good team? I'd like to see. You, I'd like to see you coaching the Bruins, Dan. That'd be it'd be pretty good. I'd I definitely bring in some new things. You know, you have to take some of the Aikens era things where the media is not allowed to have donuts. That's that's super important to me. Mm -hmm. um, you, you know, I, I think I could bring some new stuff to the Boston Bruins. 
and I'd absolutely tank them when uh, when it mattered when they were playing the Oilers. All right, I know you boys have got somewhere to be here in a few minutes, so that brings us time for Tyler to get his buttons ready. It is time for the Oodle Noodle Hot and Cold Performers of the Week. If you go into any of the 14 Oodle Noodle franchises around the city for a takeout or curbside pickup order, they are donating 10% of those orders to local charities and initiatives. You can read all about it at oodle underscore noodle on Twitter or at oodle noodlegram on Instagram. You can also see the memes I make of Jake, and I'm going to roast him as much as he's going to give me an opportunity to do with his dance moves and horse riding and whatever else he's got going on there. Thank you to Josh Park for giving me all kinds of ammunition to make memes about Jay. As we always do here, boys, we start with our veggies, the cold performer of the week. I'm going to look at our fill-in candidate this week, Mr. Zachary Lang. Looking back at the seven day, last seven days of your life, be it in the world of sports or otherwise, what is your cold performer of the week? My cold performer of the week is the changing weather. It is getting a little nipply out here in Edmonton. It is no longer the hot, hot summer that we've had. And as we all know, winter is coming. Tyler, push the button. Oh, yep. Um, <laughs> what the hell is going on? Oh, wow. New button. We've got new uh, Stephen A. Smith buttons here. Oh, that's nice. One more time, please. What the hell is going on? <laughs> Mr. Nation, Dan, your Oodle Noodle Cold Performer of the Week. Well, mine uh, mine just came across everybody's feed, I think, yesterday when the man known as Skip Bayless went and opened his mouth uh, about Dak Prescott and his opening up to the, to the media and the world about how he struggled with depression after his brother killed himself and how he was, you know, struggling with the COVID quarantine, which I don't think there's anybody in the world that hasn't had some kind of struggle with that uh but he called him weak and said that he couldn't be a leader for that uh but but more so than anything i just want people to know that skip bayless is just an absolute moron uh the man has the man has said that tim tebow is going to be the next brett Favre. he once said that carmelo anthony was better than lebron james he also said that lebron james was not a top five player in the nba so for a guy that you know, is is employed basically to be a shock jock and get you upset about it. He does a good job of that. But on a day when there was a lot of talk about suicide prevention and it's suicide prevention month currently, uh, you know, Skip Bayless, an absolute moron and my cold performer of the week. Y'all stink! <laughs> Tyler, these new buttons, man. I know they're good. Uh, Tyler, your check. your Oodle Noodle Cold Performer of the Week. Oh, man, I just had one, and I forgot to write it down. So now I'm, uh, I was going to do the Cracknell thing, but then we kind of touched on that. I was going to go with Dave Tippett, not getting enough respect. So uh, I'm, I'm going to skip those, X those out. Last night, Thursday Night Football, I thought uh, there were some good things done by the NFL. They have end racism in the end zone. The Houston Texans stayed in their room for the National Anthem. And then they decided to link arms in the on the field and do a moment of unity. And the fans in Kansas City decided to boo them. Or some fans in Kansas City decided to boo them. I thought that was ridiculous. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs fans, I know it's not all of you, but those of you who are at the game who decided to boo during a moment of unity of all things, you get my cold performer of the week. Okay, so that's interesting. So I didn't, um, this is aside from your cold performer, I didn't, I, I turned on the football game just a little bit last night. How many people were at the football game? I thought it was, to be honest, I thought they were just doing crowd noise like the NHL is doing. No, I did not know there was a bunch of people there. Just under 16,000 people at the game in a stadium that holds like 60,000. 20% capacity. Yeah, 20%. Even still, that is a lot of people to be having during a global pandemic getting together for a little Thursday night football, no? Them and the Miami Dolphins are doing it. Okay. The bold strategy, Cotton. Okay. Well, We have to remember that... America doesn't listen as much as uh, follow, the rest of the world. They follow their own rules. Yeah. My Oodle Noodle Cold Performer of the Week is going to be a gentle poke at Oilers fans again. Once, uh, I don't remember who said it off the top of my head. I should have written it down, but I didn't. Somebody said that the Edmonton bu- uh, hub bubble is boring. And Oilers fans, as they do, they got upset about it. Let's just calm down. 
It was Wyshynski and then uh, Hacks with Hagerty oh, yeah. continued the, mo- the narrative with Brad Marchand quotes that Brad Marchand has not corroborated. I mean, but like, like, okay, Brad Marchand wasn't even here though, so that's another thing entirely. Yeah, he heard it as a rumor. Um, so I'm just going to say my cold performer of the week goes to Oilers fans being so easily goaded again. For some reason, I don't know what it is about us, but like, we just can't leave it alone. And we I love being it. mad online. We love being mad online. And I urge us all to take a step back, a little bit of a breath, and know when we're being trolled. That was my cold performer of the week. We have been hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray, <laughs> run amok, and flat out <laughs> deceived. <laughs> oh, man. That was the perfect sound. These new buttons. Big, big fan. We are flipping the ledger. Gentlemen, we are looking at the positives in life. It is time for the Oodle Noodle Hot Performance of the Week. Mr. Tyler Yaramchuk, I'm starting with you this time. Your the Oodle Noodle NFL Hot the week. is back. I'm not even waiting for you to finish throwing to me. I'm so fired up for NFL football on Sunday. I watched the game yesterday. I had a great time. Degenerate Yaramchuk is in full swing, and I could not be any happier. Daily Fantasy, I got the CoolBet account fired up. I'm constantly checking Odd Shark for all the latest gambling sports news and information. I freaking love NFL football. Cash money. It's my hot performer of the week. Mr. Nation Dan, the positive sides in life, your oodle noodle hot performer of the week, sir. It's been a weird run of, of uh, hot performers for me, but this one's going to continue it going. Uh, it's actually going out to a Vancouver Canuck in Thatcher Demko. His performance uh, against the, the Vegas Golden Knights where, you know, almost single-handedly took that team to a, to a, a Western Conference final uh, I couldn't help but be in awe of his skill, of his talent, uh, the saves that he was making in, in moments. Uh, his team in front of him just decided to stop trying to shoot on the other team. Uh, you know, it, it was it was an amazing thing to watch. Uh, I think we got robbed as hockey fans of a little bit more of his uh, his mastery, but but uh, you know, for Vancouver Canucks fans, they can rest on the fact that they've got a hell of a goaltender there in Thatcher Demko. So Thatcher Demko, my top performer of the week. Put some respect on my name. Even to watch Mark Stone's reaction in the handshake line where he just kind of went did that head shake thing in Thatcher Demko. Because like that last game, Vegas was out shooting them 9,000 to two. And Thatcher Demko was the only reason it stayed as close as it was. Mr. Zachary Lang, your Oodle Noodle hot performer of the week. You're muted. Jack's on mute. Ah, He's so excited yeah. he wanted to say it twice. My hot performer of the week is the five former Edmonton Oilers who are still playing uh, for the Stanley Cup right now. The Dallas Stars, Andrew Cogliano, Andre Sekra, and Taylor Padoon. The New York Islanders are boy, Jordan Eberle, and Tampa Bay Lightning's got a good old Patty Maroon. So stick taps to all those guys. I like this right here. My oodle noodle hot performer of the week, as I've done over the last little while, is going to the world of hip-hop. Big Sean's new album, Detroit 2, is fucking awesome. And it just, I listened to it all weekend last weekend for the long weekend, all week this week. It is fantastic. If you're a fan of hip hop, Big Sean's album, Detroit 2, is wonderful. Oodle Noodle Hop Form of the Week. Yeah! And with that, I see the boys starting to check out a little bit. They've got places to be. It's just Tyler and I looking at our, each other. Dan's running out the door. That I'm means it's here. time to end off Oilers Nation Radio, episode 103. Thank you very much for being here. Please tell a friend, a cousin, a coworker, uh, a pen us. pal. Review us on Apple Podcasts. Yes. Review us everywhere. We will read those on the podcast. Let us know how we're doing. Even if you hate me, say bag milk, you suck, and I will read it. If you want to tell Tyler how handsome he is in his Raptors jersey, you can't see him right Raps. now, but I can assure you it's true. You write us and tell us about it. Download, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast from. This is all you get for episode 103. That's what is Nation Radio for the weekend. Have a great Saturday, Sunday. We'll talk to you next Friday. Thanks for listening to Oilers Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media to stay up to date and never miss a podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.